In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malin and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Which is like a really fun scripture to read this morning. <laughs> well, welcome everyone. My name is Johnny. I am one of the pastors here. If you're new, it is so good to have you. I promise most days there's not technological issues. I can't say that there's never technological issues. That does happen kind of a lot. Uh, but our volunteers in the back are amazing. They're back there troubleshooting this whole problem, uh, working so hard to fix it. Maybe we'll have slides at some point. I kind of hope so, because I did make one just for comedic relief. And so I'm a little sad you're not going to get to see it. I, uh, I'll try to describe it to you in visceral imagery. That's going to go really well. Um, today, we are starting a brand new series in the Old Testament book of Ruth. That's what the scripture reading was from this morning. And Ruth, if you've read it or if you've heard a sermon on the book of Ruth before, it is a beautiful story. It's composed beautifully. It has beautiful narrative and movement and journey and characters. But it is also one of those books of the Bible that because it is not quite like other books of the Bible, we don't always know what to do with it. Like, it doesn't read like a New Testament letter that is just full of theological axioms and statements. And it doesn't quite read like poetry that we're supposed to reflect on and meditate on like the Psalms or the Proverbs. And it's not quite the sweeping history of Israel like Exodus or Joshua or Judges. And it's not prophetic like the other prophetic books are with lots of sharp words about injustice. It's kind of more normal than any of those things, and covers less time. And so it's like a history, but much shorter. And it's like a theological letter, but with us substance in it in some ways. And because this little book is so unlike other books of the Bible, we tend to interpret it and engage with it in kind of strange ways. And maybe the most common way that we interpret or engage the book of Ruth is we treat it like a bit of a love story, maybe even a rom-com. And there are certain features of Ruth that I will give you really fit a rom-com. I'm going to try to pitch one to Hallmark soon. And here's, here's the features of it that I want you to hear. So Ruth has features of a love story. There is a recently widowed woman from a big city who moves to a small town looking for love and a new start. That's Ruth. You have Boaz, who's a single man caring for his family farm in a small town looking for love and some new journey. You have a cantankerous but lovable old woman in Naomi who is supporting Ruth and cheering on their relationship. You have a meet-cute in the field where Boaz and Ruth meet for the very first time. You have a grand gesture of a proposal and a happy ending. Give me money, please, Hallmark. 
<laughs> All the features of a love story are there. They're a part of this story. But even as you heard in the reading of Ruth chapter 1 this morning, there is also something else happening in this story that makes it maybe more complicated than a traditional love story. There's more features, more depth, more complexity at play in this story. One commentator who wrote a really marvelous book on the book of Ruth, she has this quote that I want to read you. She says this, Traditional interpretations see the book of Ruth as a beautiful love story between the impoverished Moabite, for whom the book is named, Ruth, and Boaz. The romance interpretation is understandable, given that the storyline focuses on the fortuitous meeting between Boaz and Ruth. But this is not a Disney movie, she says. In fact, the scholarly consensus regarding the book of Ruth is that it is not a love story, but the story of a female Job. It's hard to imagine a different genre from rom-com to Job. One story is genuinely pretty happy and upbeat. The other is about losing nearly everything and learning how to be faithful and courageous in the middle of it. And the book of Ruth is interesting in that it is a combination of multiple kinds of stories and genres. It is the story of someone who does lose everything and has immense courage and bravery and risks greatly in order to survive. And then there is a love story playing out in the middle of it. But to call it a love story, I think, is to miss what is actually happening in the book of Ruth. So I'm excited for us to jump in. I'm excited for us to study this book. And here's what we're going to do today. Our goal today is very simple. What I want to do is explore some of the context of the book of Ruth. What's happening in this moment in history? What's happening in these first five verses of Ruth that lay the groundwork that introduce us to the characters? And then we'll explore why we think this is a worthwhile conversation to be having as a community. So let's jump in here. What is the context of the book of Ruth? We don't know when Ruth was written or who wrote Ruth. Those are important details to know. We don't know who wrote it or when it was written. And consensus is kind of de- goes back and forth. Some scholars believe that it might have been written during the reign of King David, maybe even by his daughter Tamar, in order to sort of justify the royal line of David. It's a part of his family history, so to say, because Ruth is David's great-great-great-grandmother. And so he's like telling the story of this king and this politician and this line. And so maybe Even David's daughter was like, oh, this would be a good story to help people understand how David is from this land, how he's a man of the people, and how his identity is connected to this rich theological story. Other scholars think that maybe the book of Ruth was written during the exile, when Israel has been led into captivity in Babylon and is working so hard to hold on to their national identity. And they begin to write all their stories down. that had been oral traditions before. They begin to write down to tell and pass and to say, this is who we are as a people. But we don't know. We don't know when it was written. We don't know who is writing it, but we know when the story takes place. And verse 1 of Ruth tells us that this story happened during the days when the judges ruled. The time of the judges is a rough moment in the life of ancient Israel. 
If you've read the book of Judges, it comes right after the story of Joshua. Israel has entered the promised land, but they are barely holding on to it. Life is complicated and fraught for the Israelites. They are constantly at war with their neighbors. They're constantly at war with one another. They're barely holding on to their borders. They're barely holding on to the land that God gave them. They're barely holding on to a sense of self. And so throughout the book of Judges, God raises up these leaders, judges, who are supposed to help Israel sort of get their life together, get their act together, find some national identity, and move forward. But there's this rhythm that continues to happen in the book of Judges, where a judge will rise, defeat Israel's enemies, the judge will die, and then life in Israel descends again. And it happens 12 different times. And there's just like this repeated cycle that you continue to read about. And when you see Israel descend in the book of Judges, it is rough. Some of the most heartbreaking and brutal stories that we get in all of Scripture, some of those stories that just make you wonder, what is happening here, come in the book of Judges. It is a politically tumultuous time. It is a dangerous time time. It is a difficult time. And you get moments of amazing judges. You get Deborah, who's a prophetess and an amazing leader. But then you also get judges who are just wild, like Samson. And life in that context is difficult. And it is especially difficult for women. Some of the worst stories that happen in the book of Judges revolve around the exploitation of women. And so the first thing that we have to know about the book of Ruth is it takes place in the time of Judges, a time that is difficult, a time that is tumultuous, a time that is dangerous, especially for women. The text then goes on to say that this was a time of the Judges and there was a famine in the land. And a man with his wife and two sons went from Bethlehem of Judah to dwell in the territory of Moab. So there's a time of the judges, and then a famine begins to happen. And a famine is a drought mixed with political failure. It's not just environmental crisis. It's also political crisis or economic crisis. So a drought happens maybe in a war-torn area, and that causes a famine. You have multiple issues that are all hitting each other at the exact same time that make life really difficult for a community or a people. And so in the book of Ruth, you have political tumult, and then something climate happens. There's not enough food. People haven't been farming well. There's not enough water. Crops aren't growing. And so Ruth, or Naomi and her family, flee Israel as climate refugees to another land. So it's a dangerous moment. It's a politically tumultuous moment. And now our primary characters have fled their homeland as refugees to a new place. The next thing that we learn is that after they flee into a new land, Naomi gets very difficult news. This is verse 3. It says, But Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died after they had moved to Moab. And then only she was left along with her two sons. And her two sons took wives for themselves from Moabite. The name of the first was Oprah, the name of the second was Ruth, and they lived there for about 10 years, but then both of the sons died. And only the woman was left without her two children and without her husband. This is heartbreaking refrain in verse 3 and in verse 5 where it says, only the woman was left 
Naomi loses her husband, and then she loses her two sons as a refugee in a foreign land. This is already so difficult, already so tense, but there's one more thing that you have to know about life for Naomi, is that she lives in a world in which women have no legal rights. So she's a refugee in a foreign land, her husband has died, her two sons have died, which means that she has no access to wealth, inheritance, or legal remuneration for her losses. One scholar says it this way, which I thought was helpful. Scholars typically describe Israelite society as patriarchal, meaning the male is the head of the household, but it is also patrilineal, meaning kinship is traced through the male line, and patrilocal, meaning a woman leaves her family to join her husband's family. So everything in the ancient Israelite society and ancient Moabite society revolves around the presence of a man. And when Naomi loses her husband, she still actually has security in the presence of her two sons, but when her two sons die, she has nothing. She has no legal right to land. She has no legal access to inheritance. She's far removed from her community because she left her household and moved to his household. Everyone in that household is died. And so now we have a climate refugee in a foreign land taking care of two widowed daughter-in-laws without any support, financially, legally, or relationally. That's the setup for the book of Ruth. What a rom-com. <laughs> it's a heavy conversation. And you're like, hey, this is 4th of July. Can't we do something fun? It's summer. No. <laughs> Welcome to Missio. No, I'm just, I mean, that does seem on brand for us, but... <laughs> The question is, why this? Like, here's the heaviness of this book. Here is the intensity of this story and these characters. Why would we want to spend the next five weeks in this story? There's four reasons that I think are really important for us to pay attention to that will guide us throughout this heavy but also very, very beautiful and hopeful story. And number one is that the book of Ruth elevates vital stories and characters that we have to pay attention to. It elevates the stories and characters that are often marginalized, pressed to the side, ignored, or not told very much in our modern American churches. Ruth is a woman, Naomi is a woman, and they are the primary characters of this story. In the ancient world, it's hard for us to find characters and stories like this that make their way into our canon. So it's important to pay attention to. They are widowed refugees who find themselves at the very bottom of the social ladder. They are people who have to navigate intense suffering, danger, death, and in the midst of all of it, exemplify a kind of courage and faithfulness that is seen in almost no other character in the Bible. Those stories are worth paying attention to. The Bible is beautiful because often the heroes are unexpected, but Ruth is another level of unexpected. Ruth is the only book of the Bible named for a non-Israelite. What a beautiful inclusion. A story worth paying attention to. And I think there's two reasons that this story is worth really paying attention to for us today. One is because it invites us into a kind of lamentation and also a process of celebration. Author and theologian Sung Chan Ra, who's one of my doctoral professors, wrote this really marvelous book on the Book of Lamentations called Prophetic Lament. And in it, he says this, the American church avoids lament. 
But the absence of lament in the liturgy of the American church results in a loss of memory. We forget the necessity of lamenting over suffering and pain. We forget the reality of suffering and pain. The tendency to view the work of the church, acts of justice, racial reconciliation, require lamentation because they require a deeper engagement with the stories of others. An engagement that acknowledges suffering rather than glossing over it. The story of Ruth does not let us gloss over real stories. Stories that are taking place all around us today. Stories that are like stories that are being lived every moment of this day. Ruth forces us to pay attention to those stories, stories that we are insulated from, stories that we are protected from, stories that we would rather ignore. Ruth forces us to pay attention, to lament, to name it, But at the same time, Ruth also calls us to celebrate stories that we would not often celebrate. Ruth and Naomi are amazing characters. They are amazing characters, and they provide us examples of faithfulness that we need to place alongside of Paul and Peter, James, and John. They are brilliantly faithful women who lead remarkable lives. And in their example, we have something to celebrate and to follow and to emulate and to see what does it look like to be faithful to God in everyday moments of life. So their story helps us pay attention to other stories, ones that we need to acknowledge for our own repentance and lament and other stories because we need to celebrate and exemplify. Number two, the other reason I think we need to go through the book of Ruth is that it challenges some of our assumptions and expectations, I think about what faithfulness to God looks like. I think sometimes we can bring a lot of uh, frameworks, uh, ideas to what it means to be a person who follows God, who is trying to live faithfully to God. And the three main characters in this story are Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz, but primarily Naomi and Ruth. And they are remarkable examples of faithfulness. But they all are really challenging to certain assumptions and expectations. And I'm hesitant to use this language, but I think it's important. They're remarkably challenging to assumptions of biblical manhood and womanhood. In Naomi, we see a person who honestly and publicly wrestles with God. She names her confusion, her questions, her struggles. It does not distance her from God. In fact, it makes her an example of what faithfulness looks like. Ruth regularly disobeys her elders, takes massive risks that puts her life in danger. She breaks customs and norms in order to provide for her and Naomi. And the end of this story, the grand proposal, is Ruth proposing to Boaz, which is already kind of uncommon in our own world. But imagine 3,000 years ago in a culture in which men own everything. How startling it would be to have this young woman kick in your door and be like, get up, Boaz, we're getting married. Because that's kind of how the story goes. And then Boaz is also a remarkably interesting figure. He's a person of great wealth and access. And yet when Ruth leads, he follows. When Ruth initiates, he submits to her wisdom and direction. Boaz is an interesting and remarkable case of what it looks like to be a faithful godly, biblical man in the presence of faithful, godly, biblical 
women who break the norm. And I think as we hear this story and see the complexity and intricacy of these characters, it invites us to ask new questions about our own lives. What does it look like for me to be faithful? What does it look like for me to be a follower of Jesus in this world? What does it look like for me to hold expectations and assumptions that sometimes have been placed on me or sometimes I have inherited from the world around me? What does it look like for me to reject those things or cherish those things or learn to live with those things? So Ruth challenges some assumptions and expectations. Number three, Ruth is a guide for us into everyday faithfulness. Into everyday, regular life with God. Ruth is a deeply tragic book in that you have these events that are so intense. But at the same time, throughout the book of Ruth, you have a very regular story. There's no exodus. There's no plagues. There's no Pentecostal fire. Nobody gets healed. I think those are beautiful expressions of the kingdom of God that we see all throughout Scripture need to reflect on, should be seeing in our own world. But most of our lives actually look like the book of Ruth. It's people who experience famines and suffering, who lose friends and family, husbands and spouses. People who have to navigate economics and question, how do you do that faithfully? Ruth is a story in which regular people have to confront the regularity of life in faithfulness and do so with marvelous credibility. And what I love about that is we need those kinds of stories for the moments in our lives when life feels every day and regular and sometimes even mundane or when suffering and difficulty feel so isolating and you're like, where are you, God? I want an exodus moment. Sometimes we just need to live like Ruth and Naomi. Faithful in the everyday and understanding what it looks like for us to participate with God in those moments. The biblical scholar Temper Longman says it this way. This is a really beautiful quote. She writes, The book of Ruth is theologically rich. It presents a compelling account of how most of us experience God in our everyday lives. The story enacts a theology of divine and human cooperation. As those who pray and ask for God's blessings participate, in answering their own petitions as well as the prayers of others. This theology reminds us that God works through people to bring healing to our very broken, very needy, everyday world. I love this about the book of Ruth and the more that I have spent time in this book. People pray and then are challenged to figure out how to be the answers to those prayers. They have needs and people in the community are called to answer those needs. It's the same invitation that we as the people of God are given to partner with the work that God is doing in the world around us, to join in the Spirit's healing mission. And Ruth is this encouraging, challenging invitation for all of us to live faithfully in the everyday. And then finally, number four, Here's the reason I think this story is so important for us. Ruth is a part of God's grand narrative. 
Ruth is a small Old Testament book. It's just a few chapters. In terms of like the scope of a timeline, it's not as big as Exodus or Joshua or Judges or so many of the other stories in the Bible. And it doesn't maybe seem as exciting as Acts or some of the New Testament letters. It's everyday faithfulness of everyday people. It's about their courage, their strengths, their faithfulness. And because it is so normal, I think we can skip it and miss it. And yet, at the very same time that it is normal, regular, everyday faithfulness, Ruth's story is also a part of God's grand story to rescue the world. She doesn't know this. Nobody else in the story knows this. But Ruth, a refugee from a foreign land, becomes the matriarch of Jesus' family line. When you read Jesus' genealogy, Ruth is right there at the top of it. The ancestor of King David, again, a refugee from Moab who becomes the leader of Israel. She's the matriarch of Jesus' line. These are things that she could not possibly imagine. And nobody in the story is even telling her. She's just trying to survive. But through Ruth, we get to see how God weaves our stories into his grand narrative. It doesn't always make sense. It doesn't always feel clear. It doesn't always feel very good. But God never stops telling a story of redemption and restoration with and through us. Ruth, as dark as it gets, is a story of good news. Good news for Ruth and Naomi and Boaz. Good news for the entire world and good news for our own stories, especially when we think those stories have ended. This is why we're going to go through the book of Ruth. It's a story that we need, of characters that we need to pay attention to, who experience a reality that we have to notice and see, because it will disrupt our assumptions and our expectations and so many of the things that we bring to the table. It will challenge those and guide us into a new kind of everyday faithfulness with the hope that God never stops writing stories. Missy, this is the book of Ruth. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this story. This little book in the Old Testament that we can so easily skip and read past and not pay attention to. Thank you that it's here. Thank you that it is so challenging. Thank you for the way it elevates stories, celebrates stories, calls us to repent and lament. Thank you for the way it guides us into life with you. How it expands our imagination for who we are with you, for what you've called us to do in this world. And thank you that in all of it, it points to this larger redemptive hope that you never stop writing stories, that good news is available. So God, would you use this story to shape us, to hone us, and to help us pay attention? Would it be something like a prayer guide for us this summer? Would it become a guide for how we think about faith and life with you? Would you help us see? To not ignore, 
We pray these things in your name. Amen.